If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful afternoon, all of you. Great to be with you as usual this time on a Friday to talk about, to share, and to learn. But not only to learn, but to learn with the purpose of taking a message, applying it to our own lives, to internalize the words of Torah, to recognize that our souls are infinitely and totally bound up with the message that is contained in Torah. As our sages tell us, there are three incredible knots our souls, the Torah, and God himself. And this is the way that a Jew must, should develop his and her life. We have to tie ourselves with Torah, recognize that particular message in Torah that talks to us. And this is the way we have a bond, a connection, a conscious connection with God himself as well. And this is why week after week after week, We read a different portion because each and every single section of Torah has its own unique and particular message. We aren't individuals that are, in a sense, only one-dimensional. We have so many complex, interesting dimensions to our being, to ourselves. We have so many dimensions to our lives, feelings, thoughts, ideas, attitudes, encounters, relationships, we are incredibly, incredibly blessed, miraculous, gifted creatures of complex combinations. And this is why it's the infinity of Torah that is able to address all those incredible dimensions, talking to them, addressing them, showing how each and every one of them has purpose, has meaning, can and should be elevated, can and should be transformed, can and should be refined. The message of Torah is Ora'ah, a lesson, a teaching, an instruction, personal, uh, they mention. And this is why, as the first Lubavitcher Rebbe said, we have to live with the times, with the times of Torah, because Torah contains those messages. And it's this coming week, in fact, on Sunday, the day after Shabbos, that we have the 17th of Tammuz, which is the beginning of the three weeks. And the three weeks, of course, is a time in the Jewish calendar that reminds us of a painful, a painful moment in Jewish history, a time of destruction, a time of exile, a time of loss, a time of darkness, a time that we have to unfortunately begin that period with a fast day, a time that we begin that period with an insight into tragedies that happen. And one wonders, why is it that this particular Parsha that we are going to read tomorrow, study tomorrow, in fact, that we've been studying all week, the Parsha of Bullock, is usually read around this time, just before or during the three weeks. What is the relationship, what is the connection between the Parsha of Bullock and the three weeks? As mentioned, the three weeks is a time of mourning, a time of sadness. What is it about the Parsha of Bullock that talks to us about that dimension? When we read the Parsha of Bullock, it's a Parsha of joy, Bilam, that notorious sorcerer is brought to his knees. Bullock, that tyrannical and evil king, is destroyed. 
Jewish prestige and Jewish might shines with the most incredible beauty. What is it about this Parsha that talks to us about this particular time within the Jewish calendar? And as we know, that there are no simple random associations. Everything is by divine providence. There is an incredible divine plan in everything, and it becomes our duty, it becomes our job to recognize what that plan is, because that plan contains a message to each and every one of us. It's not merely a Parsha coming together at a particular time, but because that Parsha comes at a particular time, we look at the Parsha and try to glean from that Parsha words of insight, words of inspiration that enables us to understand what is the inner dimension of the three weeks. Because as the three weeks develop and the period of mourning intensifies into the nine days and into the day of Tisha B'Av when we commemorate the ultimate tragedy, the destruction, the burning of the first and second temple, the first and second Bet HaMikdash, what is it in these parashiyot that are connected with this time that gives us insight into that event? Because as we know, it's not only the fact that we have to mourn, the fact that we feel sad, the fact that we simply remember a time of tragedy, there, as I said before, is a personal message, a personal lesson, something that we have to internalize within ourselves. We don't only recall the past. It's not something of historical benefit. It's not something that we simply remember because it's an important date within the Jewish calendar, there is a huge message to us as individuals in terms of our development, in terms of our refinement, in terms of our purpose in life. And this is why as we examine the Parsha, as we understand the Parsha, we begin to understand what, in fact, the events of those days are all about and how it affects us today, the impact of those days. Days. And the impact of those days is not only because that's when the great exile began and we find ourselves in the exile today, the consequences of destruction, the consequences of exile, it's not only that. It's because within the whole journey of the exile, within the whole experience of the Churban by it, in the experience of the destruction, we have to see some insight and some purpose. And as we open the Parsha, what do we read? We read about this mighty king called Bullock, who is terrified, or so it seems. He sees the Jewish people approaching. Now, who are these Jewish people? Who are this B'nai Yisrael? Here is a people that 40 years ago came out of Egypt as slaves. And they have been wandering in the wilderness for the last 40 years. Now, who would be afraid of such a people? Who would be worried or concerned about such a people? Why would a king like Bullock, the king of Midian, and a nation like Moab, both of them quite powerful, be so concerned about a nation that hasn't got its own land, that hasn't got its own army, so to speak? Why would they be terrified about a nomadic people who've been wandering in the wilderness for all these years? Yet Bullock sees here are a people 
that have been miraculously led by God for the last 40 years. And although certain nations tried, tried unsuccessfully, but to try to destroy them, they couldn't. Because God protected them. They had the leadership of Moshe. They had the priesthood of Aaron. They had the well of Miriam. They were a protected people. And they stood up a great against great and powerful kings like Sichon and Og. And Bullock understands that this is not an ordinary people. This is not a mere nomadic nation. This is not people who've been wandering loosely in the wilderness, in the desert. This is a people with a purpose. This is a people with a mission. This is a people that have something to do, something to show. They have a divine purpose in this world. This is why he is terrified. He knows that it's not a war that he's concerned about. He is concerned that here is a spiritual people that carry a message that will change the world. That's why he's terrified. He's terrified that here are a people that have a message of holiness, of godliness, of greatness, that will change the thinking of the world. And that's why he's terrified. And this is why he tries to bring together his neighboring nations in order, so to speak, to defend themselves against this people. Because he wants to retain the particular lifestyle that they are accustomed to, he wants to defend themselves against the message of the Jewish people. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about this particular Pasha, its connection with the three weeks that begins on Sunday, and why, in fact, Bullock, this powerful king, is so terrified of the Jewish people. But before that, again, just let me remind you that this incredibly horrifying virus is completely out of control out there. And this is why we have to be extraordinarily careful. We have to take every single precaution and we have to be vigilant beyond measure in order to ensure that each and every one of us stays safe in every sense of the word. And let's get back to the story. And how do we know that Balak was so concerned, not so much about the physical strength of the Jewish people, although that seems to be what in fact the Torah is saying, but more so because about the spiritual strength of the Jewish people. And this is why he turns to his neighboring states and he tries to get their support so that they can all stand together in defense against this people who are marching forward. And the obvious answer is, does he develop a huge army? No. Does he develop a far greater army? No. What he does, he tries to employ the offices of Bilam, a notorious sorcerer who has incredible spiritual powers. Now we have to understand, and this is something that we spoke about in the past, when God created the world, he put into this world tremendously powerful spiritual powers. Holy powers. 
that he gave to righteous people. But in order to maintain balance, he also unfortunately had to give powerful energies to negative people as well. Sorcerers and Bilam was one of those who had that power. And at the time, Bilam was recognized in the world as being one of the most powerful negative sorcerers that existed. And this is the individual to whom Bullock turns because he knows it's not an army that will able to defend them against this people. It's somebody with spiritual powers because this people is a spiritual people. And therefore he has to employ spiritual energies in order to combat it. Now this is a very interesting story because it gives us insights into something which is read and something that has to be understood. There are the words and then there is the subtext of those words. What is happening and what you have to read below the line in order to understand not only that which you are reading, but the content and the context of what you're reading so that you appreciate the fullness of that story. In fact, our sages tell us something interesting. It says that there was never ever a prophet as great as Moses, as Moshe. And they go on to say, among the Jewish people, there was never a prophet as great as Moshe. But among the nations of the world, there was. And who was it? It was Bilam. He had incredible spiritual powers that he abused, that he used for negative and dark purposes. And this is the individual that Bullock is going to hire, going to employ in order to curse the Jewish people. Because Bullock knows full well that when Bilam curses somebody, that curse has the strength and power to bring havoc, destruction upon that individual or upon that people. So off he sends a group of representation of noble people to Bilam. What does Bilam say? Bilam says, I'm sorry. I can't help you in this instance because whatever I say must first be cleared by God and God will not give me permission to curse this people. In fact, if you give me a house filled with gold and silver, I could not do this. But in so saying, he indicates what he really wants. He wants to be paid in gold and silver. I'm not going to go into the whole conversation, but off he eventually does go with the agents of Bullock to curse the Jewish people. Does he curse the Jewish people? Far from it. He blesses the Jewish people. In fact, the blessings that he actually gives the Jewish people are so great, are so noble, that some of them actually form part of our daily prayers. In fact, he is the one that talks about Mashiach. He speaks about the Jewish people in the most lofty terms. Again, we have to understand what his real intentions were. He wanted to curse the Jewish people. He wanted to bring about a spiritual energy that would destroy the Jewish people. God didn't let him. And therefore transformed those ultimate negative destructive terms and words into words of great goodness, blessings, blessings 
lofty descriptions of a holy people. Moloch, of course, is incensed, but there's nothing that he can do. But let's for a moment step back and listen to the actual words that Bilam uses. I'm not going to go through all of them. There are different stages, different times. I'm just going to take a look at one or two or three in order for us to understand what in fact are the sequence of events that gives us insights into what Bilam is saying so that we should understand how he views us and how we ourselves should see ourselves. He says something to the following effect. He says, I see them from high mountains and I see them from sturdy hills. And this is not only a very descriptive term, but as our sages say, I see their origins. The high mountains refer to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The sturdy hills refers to the matriarchs, Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel. He talks about the origins of the Jewish people. He speaks about where they come from. Later on, he talks about the Jewish people themselves. And what does he say? How good are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling places, Israel. And again, this is not purely flowery terms that describes the tents of Israel. He's talking about specific life values that they possess, the value of modesty, the value of family purity, the value of retaining a sense of powerful morality within their lives. He says, here are a people. They continue not necessarily because of their physical prowess and their physical strength, but they continue because they have a deep and profound dedication to a life and a lifestyle that is based upon the highest values of modesty and family purity that Torah speaks about. And then he speaks about, I see, not immediately, I see their destiny. I see their destiny, the idea of Mashiach. I see their purpose. I see their mission. I see the fulfillment of that which they are all about. And here we see three important milestones in the life of the Jewish people. Their origins, their current lives, and their destiny. What are their origins? Their origins are the patriarchs and matriarchs. What is their current life, their dedication to the mitzvot, to the commandments, to the ethics and morality of what Torah values are all about. What is their destiny? The destiny is the coming and revelation of Mashiach. And this is why he tells Balak, you have no chance against this people. They have a beginning unlike any other. They didn't come out of nowhere. They didn't come out of some darkness. They didn't come out of some jungle. They didn't come out of some, well, apps. They came out of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rebecca, Leah, 
Rachel. They came out of people who built a world of greatness. They came out of people who built a world of faith. They came out of people who built a world of kindness, of goodness and kindness. They came out of people who built a world. Look at their origins. They have a beginning unlike any other. Look at their lives. They are dedicated to mitzvot throughout history, through good times, through difficult times, through times of blessing, through times of exile. They are dedicated to God and to his commandments. Look at their faith. They know that there is an ultimate and glorious end to their purpose and journey and their suffering. This is not some sort of random historical development that goes on and on and on, cycle after cycle. There is a glorious purpose to the journey of the Jewish people. There is a great history, a great destiny, and a great current dedication as well. What is Bilam saying to us? What is the strength of the Jewish people? We have to cherish our origin. We have to live by the current values of our Torah. We have to have tremendous faith in our destiny. This is who we are. But what it tells us is you have to look beyond the words that are said even in Torah and see the code, the subtext, what he's actually saying. He uses the words like mountains and he refers to patriarchs and matriarchs. He talks about tents and dwelling places. He refers to profound ethical, moral values of life. He speaks about looking into the future. He talks about Mashiach. He talks about the great destiny of redemption. What Bilam is saying to us is not only that we have glorious origins, not only that we have profound values, not only that we have a blessed destiny, we also have the ability to look beyond the words and to recognize the subtext of our journey and the subtext of our lives. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the particular lesson that we learned from the Parsha of Bullock, the message of Bilam, and how he tried to curse the Jewish people, but it was transformed into a blessing and how he uses certain terminology that we have to understand the words that he uses, but in actual fact, the subtext of what those words mean. And to understand text and subtext, that very often the words as they appear suggest one thing, but in actual fact, when we take a look at commentary, when we take a look at the deeper meaning, it comes across as something which is far more profound and something which is far more powerful. And as mentioned before, he begins by speaking about the mountains and the hills. What he is referring to are the patriarchs and the matriarchs of the Jewish people. He speaks about the incredible dimensions of the origins of the Jewish people. When he speaks about the tents, how good are the tents 
and how beautiful and how blessed are the dwelling places. He's not speaking about the homes of Jewish people. He's speaking about the moral profundity, the incredible refinement and spirituality of the Jewish life and lifestyle based upon God's commandments. When he's speaking about looking into the future, he's not only speaking about some sort of vague notion of destiny, he's speaking about something specific, he is speaking about the reign of King David, he's ultimately speaking about Mashiach, ultimately speaking about the redemption. This is the idea of text and subtext. And this is why, as mentioned earlier on, the relationship between the Parsha of Balak and Sunday, the 17th of Tammuz, which begins the three weeks of sadness, the three weeks of mourning. Because when we take a look at the three weeks of mourning, there too, there is a text, there is the obvious, and then there is the subtext, the deeper meaning. Now what is the subtext of mourning? What is the subtext of destruction? What is the subtext of exile? The subtext of mourning is joy. And this is why, in fact, our sages tell us that part of the prayer during this time is may these days of sadness be transformed into days of joy. What is the subtext of churban, of destruction? It's rebuilding. And this is why in our prayers every single day, what do we talk about? The rebuilding of the temple. Yes, we recall the destruction of the temple, but we speak about the rebuilding of the temple. When we talk about exile, what do we speak about? We speak about exile and the tragedy of exile, but we speak about may we merit to see the revelation of Mashiach and the ultimate return of all of us, all of creation, the entire world to the ultimate redemption. There is the text and the subtext of history, of people, of all of us. And this is something we learn in Parsha Bullock, and this is something that we have to apply to every single situation. It's not only that which appears that is the reality. There is a reality beneath the reality that appears. And this is something which is important for us to understand. When our sages tell us, may these days of sadness be transformed into days of joy, we're talking about something rather profound. It's not merely taking something and simply exchanging it for something else. What in fact they're telling us is that deep within the sadness, the core is joy. And this is why you can transform sadness into joy. You're not merely replacing the sadness with a different entity, with a different reality. You are simply exposing the essence, and the essence is joy. When we speak about rebuilding that which was destroyed, we're not talking about simply changing that which was destroyed with something that you're going to rebuild. But the essence of the destruction contains within it at its core, rebuilding. When you speak about exile, you're not saying, let's simply remove the exile and bring in a new reality called redemption. Within the essence of exile lies redemption.
The transformation is possible not because you are merely replacing something with something else. You are exposing, revealing the essential core, the essential core of sadness of mourning is joy. The essential core of destruction is rebuilding. The essential core of exile is redemption. And this is something we learn from the Parsha of Bullock. Bilaam wanted to curse the Jewish people with vile, venomous, vitriolic curses. He wanted to use words that would debase and degrade the Jewish people. What came out of his mouth were blessings beyond belief because at the core lies blessing beyond belief. He tried to give it an external coating of ugliness. But within the essence, when you look at these people, the essence reflects holiness, beauty, and greatness. And this is why Bullock is the parsha that talks to us about transformation, because it talks to us about text and subtext. This is important to understand with our own lives as well. We often go through circumstances. We often go through situations. And for whatever reason, we only see the superficial dimension. We have to understand what lies beneath. We have to have the wisdom to understand what lies beneath. And very often we ourselves don't have that wisdom. We have to go to someone who possesses the wisdom, who enables us to see the wisdom that lies beneath, to see the beauty that lies beneath the shallow exterior of that which may not be so beautiful. And this is why where there is hopelessness, we need individuals who are able to reveal the hope that is contained within. And this is why when you're home tomorrow and you're reading the Parsha, remember the message of text and subtext and try to see words that talk to you. Try to see a message that is personal and try to see a message that you can internalize. Bilam tried to curse the Jewish people. He blessed them. From Shabbos we go into a day of sadness, three weeks of sadness. Try to understand the potential joy. This is a time of great potential transformation. It's a time that we are able to accomplish extraordinary things within the world, within our lives, within those around us. It's a time of great opportunity which happens.